0: Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Content warnings can be found in the episode notes. Take a moment to subscribe. Take a couple moments to leave a review. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. Or visit www.tavernsquad.com for more content.
1: Since the dawn of high fantasy
2: RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told. Or to begin, than a tavern, the mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, five D and D nerds quest for glory and to keep traditional narrative cliche alive. This is Tavern Squad. Hello and welcome to the tavern. I'm your dungeon master, your innkeeper, and your host, Connor Everly, here with the seventh episode of what this mini-arc is called...
0: Season one? (laughs) No,
2: no, fuck. fuck. Before
3: the storm horse, right?
2: Before the storm horse. Yeah, I really butchered the shit out of it. Um... We'll roll with it. That's okay. Uh,
0: So, so wait, what's it called?
2: The mini (laughs) arc. So this first, this first bit, not the whole thing, but these first few episodes are going to be before the storm horse. And I'll let you know when we're not before the storm horse. You'll probably figure out after
1: the storm horse. Uh, (laughs) Is that what we're calling it? After the storm horse. After we finish. Yeah, actually, yeah. There
2: we go. After the storm horse. There we go. Before and after. Right now. (laughs)
4: Took six episodes. We have BSH and ASH. There you go. Ooh. (laughs) Bish and Ash. (laughs) <laughs>
2: all right i think that there we go campaign name division ass cannon um, <laughs> cannon <laughs> all right well as you can hear we're here with the squad uh we are going to do something that is brand new to your ears Uh, We are doing icebreaker intros. So what's going to happen here is everybody, for their introduction, is going to roll a D-100, a 100-sided die. It corresponds with an icebreaker question that I made on a table. And we're going to go around. You're going to roll a number. I'm going to ask you what the icebreaker question is. You're going to answer as your character. Yeah, Yeah, from their perspective. Answer as your character. Yeah, blah, 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 blah.
0: It's going uh, great, guys. It's going
2: great. You know, I think the energy is there. So <laughs> The energy is there, man. It is. We have it. It's right. It's in, around us. Um, <laughs> so we are going to start tonight off with Dan the Mystery Man playing Roynar. So Dan, go ahead and roll that D100. Let's see what question you
3: get. Well, the lucky number tonight is 28. 28. All right. I'm going to type. I'm impressed with how fast I pulled up that <laughs> D100 same. roller. With such precision.
0: I got my physical dice on me, bruh. That's how you got to do it. Got that amethyst.
3: Mm. Oh, fuck. I'll I, touch the
0: mic. The mic. Wow, I yeah. touched the, mic. Touched <laughs> the mic. Sorry, listener.
2: Getting handsy. <laughs> <laughs> getting handsy.
0: ASMR, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <That's>...
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Roinar, with a 28, we're going to go to the first, the crack of dawn every day. What is Roynar's favorite breakfast food?
3: Mm, you know, I think he's a really actually pretty fit guy. So I imagine he likes like a clean egg white omelet and like real boring, like barely buttered toast. <laughs> barely buttered toast. His body's a temple, you know, he's like drinking tea. He doesn't poison it with coffee. Um, he's, a, he's an irritating morning person, too. He's like really chipper That's in the mornings, I feel like. <laughs> like annoyingly chipper and he gets like worse throughout the day. <laughs> Yeah, I I can resonate with that
2: a little bit too much. I'm I'm certainly chipper in the morning, yeah. except I just lose all energy. I just crash out like a
4: motherfucker.
3: He does love a good bowl of goblin oatmeal. Um, <laughs> he, he hopes the angry gut serves a good bowl, but, you know, he's not really sure. Well, I guess he'll just have to find out
2: soon. Thanks for that little insight, Dan. Now we're going to move on to the next person, Andre Ryu, playing Tums. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Roll that D-100.
4: Oh, yeah. Big ol' shout-out to rolladie.net. Oh, dude, me too! Uh, Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, got that 91. Oh, What's that 91 get me? Okay, you get a pretty fun one that is a
2: repeatable question. What is a fun fact about Tums? Just a fun fact.
4: Uh, Tums has been, uh, he's saved every penny that he's ever found on the street. Uh, in a jar in his bedroom. So he's got just giant pickle jars. He's, he's up to three. He's, he's saved every penny. Um, and he sorted them by heads up and not heads up and defaced pennies. So that's the three jars that they're in.
3: Nice. <laughs> How much money do you think he's accrued over his uh, collecting span? Like maybe 10
4: gold? Um, I don't know what the exchange rate is on... Uh, on uh,
3: copper, I was, I was to trying gold. to say it's like not that much money, right? Because like pennies are basically what's that? that it, I mean, not, What's that come out to? Uh,
4: it's like point zero 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 one BTC. Uh, is, from is, what? From what pen I, I understand.
2: Pennies. From what I understand, like ten coppers equals a silver, five silvers <laughs> equal a gold. Percent. Our cat is so mad. He does. He's like, you fuckers don't remember the exchange rate of a fantasy <laughs> currency. You dipshits! <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, Christofferson.
4: But how
3: how many shillings in a mark? Does he have any? Is he gonna spend that money on anything? Is he like? Is he saving it for a purpose, or it's just like he might as well because he found him. Well, they're his lucky pennies,
4: yeah. and well, like it's kind of a competition because the deal is is that like you've got all your heads up pennies; those are lucky, and uh, he's weighing it against the fates with all of his heads down pennies. So, where's
3: he coming out? Fifty uh, fifty.
4: No. No, well, there's three it's jars. A, it's a lot of heads down. It's a lot of heads yeah. down. <laughs> uh and, and the defaced currency. The defaced currency there's a lot oh, of gum and uh detritus in, in there. They're they kind of yes. barely qualify as Absolutely. Uh, as pennies. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we'll say that the sentimental value of them far exceeds the actual monetary value of them, be that as it may. But we'll put that in your room. Three jars of pennies. Perfect.
4: Three jars of, of pennies or francs or Uh, bits or whatever you want we know a lot about money now or maybe
2: even less than we we understood before
4: (laughs) so connor uh our dungeon master uh throw this question back at you what's on what's on a penny what what's on the face of a penny what's on the face of a a wandering city Uh, wandering city penny yeah nice
1: Oh, I was gonna say Abe Blinken. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, that's right. There you go. <laughs> it but Abe Lincoln is not the
3: uh, like. It's it's no. It democracy. is. Uh,
2: it's it was a uh, beholder named Always Blinken, and it's just. <laughs> and that's his name. So
4: yeah, on Always the penny, Blinken.
2: there's a beholder whose name is Always Blinken. Abe Blinken.
4: Yeah, everybody calls him Blinkies. <laughs> what did he do to get himself on the penny?
2: Unspeakable <laughs> things. Let's move on. <laughs>
1: so (laughs) so we're gonna meet him one day
3: yeah we are That's gonna be the fucking bad guy this fucking beholder
2: all right now let's move on to jessica mcgarry playing cecilia slitherspoon
0: i got my physical dice here oh yeah (laughs) got 26
2: 26 all right so this there is a theme cecilia what is your favorite time of day Oh you know it's
0: gotta be that nice 420 a.m. <laughs> I wake up every morning at 420, I smoke a doobie with Stacy, and we practice our meditation and uh what well, did I say it was jujitsu
3: or karate, some Oh duh! Jessica! You should make you should make him. Uh, what was it like the your last one? Your last character had that like taekwondo or whatever. Rate. Oh yeah. You should bring that back. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, that would be totally in line with yeah. So I made a Warforge whose name was Khan. And I called it Khan Ratay, right?
2: Yep, as right. A, you a monk? Um,
0: so it's definitely Khan yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm.
2: There's also uh, Krav Makan.
0: Krav
3: Makan.
0: Um, yes, <laughs> so we practice all the versions of Khan.
3: Thai yeah. Khan. You should yes. just change it every time, Dan. You should 100 percent just like yes. change it to all like different kinds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just practice that, you know,
2: beautiful martial arts from the uh, renowned Khan. Do you think that would be Warforged?
0: Like, earlier in this world history? That would be earlier, but okay, about yeah.
2: 2,000 years previous. Yeah, so there you now. go.
0: The famous Khan, and just practicing his amazing
2: moves. And now, to introduce last but not least, Sean Paul, playing
1: G3. Oh, hello. Sean, please roll that D100. I rolled a very solid, and slightly off of the best number ever, 63. When we get 69, man, the first one to get 69... It's the race to 69. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I mean, it
2: really is. G3, I feel like we're going to probe pretty deep with this question. What do or what did you call your grandparents? Ooh.
0: Do Warforge have grandparents?
2: Who
1: who, who would you consider to be your grandparent? Wow. When you said probing, (laughs) I thought this was going in a different direction. Um, (laughs) You know, G3... I I guess we'll give a little baby lore dump here, I guess. Um, G3 was created by some goblins... Uh, specifically as a model to be a city guard. Um, So he doesn't really know his parents because he was kind of purchased and then brought online. Kind of how, you know, they don't test drive the toasters when you buy them. You know, you take it home. That's the maiden voyage. Um, So he kind of just has brothers and sisters and, you know, partners and guarding. I guess maybe... The uh, proxy for him would kind of be his, you know, commanders, would be sort of father-boss figures, I guess is okay. the best way to put it. Makes sense. So the guy who's like the the guy above your supervisor is your grandparent? Yeah, pretty much. Commander-grandpa. Um, Commander. <laughs> but I think it's also kind of like maybe a little bit of an adopted situation, too, where he's like, who really did make me? I mean, it's not on the front of his mind all the time, but... You know, every once in a while it sneaks in. Who made me? A bunch of goblins
3: <laughs> that loved you so much. <laughs> Did you ever try their uh, oatmeal? Goblins make good oatmeal. You
1: know, G three G three keeps a strict diet of loop lu- keeping it lubed and oiled up. So,
0: oh god, <laughs> <laughs> mine's in the gun. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, when you roll that close to sixty nine, um, but I mean, he can eat. There's just no no real benefit to it but he's got a magical sandwich so watch out
2: yeah watch out. got that cold cut construct combo <laughs> <laughs> greatest name it is That was great it was great coming up with that all right well guys that was a fantastic introduction now let me just bust into a quick recap of what happened last episode Last episode, you guys went to interrogate the Tabaxi Rogue, who you have now come to known as Art. And uh, after you interrogated him, you learned a little bit about J.P. Washtrot and Clementine Butterfield, the people down in the sewers who are Running this demon mob You guys had a plan to capture these two Sewer rats and their demons And unfortunately uh, Roy went Crashing down through the manhole really spoiling Any chance of surprise Uh, Where we last left you Your ringer was just Thrown down the hole and Clementine Butterfield called out Saying that she was gonna kill Your fucking asses Alright let's rip it (laughs)
4: Get them, my minions! Attack!
2: (laughs) Shit! Prepare yourselves!
4: It's no use, Art! They're mine now!
2: (laughs) And she cackles. Everyone go ahead and roll
4: uh, initiative, please. Alright, Tums rolled a 16 for initiative. Okay.
0: Cecilia got 19.
4: Alright. Roy got a 13. G3 got a uh, 16. Alright, and for that tie, I'm just
2: going to let Roll20 sort that one out. Starting off with a natural 20 is Clementine Butterfield. So as you hear this cackling of this old lady, Cecilia, your vision was already stifled by the darkness and Roy seemed like he could see. But suddenly all traces of light are blotted out as Clementine summons a sphere of magical darkness that encapsulates both Roy and Cecilia. You hear a scuttling inside the pipe from which you heard Clementine, which was the one completely across the way from you. And that's gonna be the end of Mrs. Butterfield's turn. Now it is Cecilia.
0: Okay, Cecilia's gonna activate her crimson right, so she's gonna get her short bow out cut her upper arm it's gonna glow with radiant light but it still it doesn't work
2: you can't see it
0: okay so i'm gonna try and um use my movement to try and get out of that zone i'm gonna go to the corner of the room like i'm gonna like have my hand against the wall and just like trace myself to the back corner is am i out of the zone
2: yes you take about a five foot step out of the sphere of darkness and you can see the radiant energy glimmering on the end of your arrow.
0: Okay. And then I'm going to shoot down towards the western hallway where I heard the blobby people.
2: So, your line of sight is broken by the sphere of darkness. You would need to move in order to see. You can still shoot, but you would get disadvantage.
0: I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to shoot.
2: Okay. So, there are two abyssal wretches, two blobby monsters, uh, ...that are in the front, and then a Rudderkin behind. You can't see them, but which one will you target?
0: Uh, the, the one in front. Okay, I got a critical fail. Can I use my lucky, though?
2: Yeah, you can okay. use luck. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to use my luck with my disadvantage, and one of my lucks used, I got an 11...
2: Okay, 11 unfortunately does not hit, but at least it's not a critical fail. Uh, You send your arrow off and it kind of disappears into the magical darkness and you hear it clatter on a wall of the sewer. You can hear up above, get your hands off me. I know what I need to do. Oh, okay. All right. And then Art descends the ladder. He lands within the 30-foot radius of the rudderkin which means that he needs to make a wisdom saving throw. The Rutterkin, the demon proper, not the Abyssal Wretch, has an ability called Crippling Fear. So whenever a creature is within 30 feet of the rudderkin, it needs to make a wisdom saving throw or be paralyzed in fear. They can attempt to break this condition at the end of each of their turns. So Art gets a 17 to his wisdom save, which is enough to beat the crippling fear. And once you beat the crippling fear, you are immune to it for 24 hours. Sweet. Art comes down the ladder and he looks at the creature and he goes, oh wow, you're pretty fucking ugly. And he takes a step back and he's going to fire a concussive arrow at the creature.
3: Yeah, we're actually really lucky. We have this guy on our side. Because he's pretty OP. OP? Overpowered. Oh. Original poster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, how many concussive arrows did he
2: roll? He gets a multi-attack, so... Oh, sweet. Yeah, so, he is OP. He is He's quite powerful. Thanks, Tom. Um, this is
3: yeah thank you.
2: <laughs> now everybody likes Tom <laughs>
3: <laughs> Oh that's not Dan that's not Roy thinking Tubbs. That's Dan thinking. <laughs> uh,
2: fair enough fair enough. So Art draws a concussive arrow and he loses it. He hits the Rudderkin straight in the chest and there's this kind of like bluish blast that emanates from its chest as it goes reeling back. Art tries to shoot another arrow. he only gets an eight to attack and that is going to miss. So as this Rudderkin is reeling back, the other arrow sails just over his shoulder. G3, it is your turn. It is dark, it is hard to see, and you hear demons
1: on either side of the room. What would you like to do? How far can G3 see, then, without Dark Vision? Maybe about 15 feet.
4: Are Jessica's weapons glowing?
1: Yeah, actually, you can see you can see Cecilia's
2: arrow across the room. Uh, it doesn't shed that much light, though.
0: It does twenty feet.
1: What?
2: Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay.
1: Cool shit. So where did it land then? I guess. Because I guess it should... When Cecilia fires off this radiant arrow, it clatters
2: down the hallway, and it lands behind this group, the Rudderkin, the two abyssal
1: wretches next to it, illuminating a 20 by 20 foot square of that hallway. G3, upon hearing the tabaxi named Art come down, is going to move that direction. It's going to go ahead and move over to here. So you move 25 feet closer, getting right within
2: the uh, Rudderkin's zone of fear. So G3, I'm going to need you to make a wisdom saving throw.
1: Right. G3 critically failed. Oh, God. That's rough.
2: On a failed save, the creature becomes frightened of the Rudderkins for one minute. While frightened this way, the creature is restrained. At the end of each of the frightened creature's turns, it can repeat the saving throw, ending the effect on itself on a success. So, unfortunately, as you stride into the zone of this Rudderkin, it appears to be just this disgusting, bulbous, lumpy, disturbing creature with a jaw that hangs too low and foul teeth. It exudes this unnatural aura and you feel your joints start to seize up in what can only be described as fear. Have you ever felt fear before, G3?
1: G3 hasn't, so this is a new feeling for him. And I don't know if he knows what it is. I think he thinks he might just be malfunctioning or there's magic.
2: You have certainly assessed that you are at dire risk being close to enemy targets and being unable to move. We are going to go to Tums next. Tums, you are on the very cusp of the frightening aura. You are going to also need to make a wisdom saving throw.
4: Tums rolls an 11 for his wisdom.
2: That is just the number to beat. So you are quivering beneath this pipe. And what... What do you think to yourself to break free of the throes of fear?
4: It's not Tums that comes through. It's going to be that voice at the back of his head again that just says, you got to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. That's all he's hearing. And with that in mind, um, he's had his bow at the ready. Is my line of sight broken from the rudderkin at this point? No, you can see it. Have I remained concealed? Your stealth was definitely high enough to not be detected
2: by these creatures.
4: Then I would like to perform a sneak attack with my bow from my position. Uh, so Tums rolls a 16. 16 is enough. So Tums rolled uh, 8 piercing and says 7 sneak.
0: <sighs> nice. Hot, dude. Yeah, seriously. Tums is a little badass, dude.
4: You bloody the creature. Would you like to describe how you bloody it? I I like to imagine that he has loosed an arrow and it's it's got him right in the, the traps. So, like, just above the collarbone, like, right in there. That's where... That's where the airlines. lines.
2: All right. And it is a debilitating shot. You see this horrible black slimy ichor. It's like half congealed blood start to flow out from this
4: wound and it releases another horrible cry. So rather than trying to reconceal myself as my bonus action, um, I would like to use uh, the cantrip for my bonus action true strike. And so... Uh, I'm just going to read the text. You point a finger at a target in range. Your magic grants you brief insight into the target's defenses. On your next turn, you gain advantage on your first attack. Roll against the target, provided that the spell hasn't ended. So, uh, it does say that it's a somatic spell and that, uh, it requires concentration. So, like, if his concentration were broken, I would lose the advantage, I guess. Um, so I'm going to point at... Oh, jeez. Can I metagame for a second? I want to ask if you, you guys think it's more useful to have the other four. And know what their weakness is, or is it better to go to focus on the rudderkin I mean, since it seems to be?
0: You couldn't possibly point at the lady, the Buttersfield.
4: Not lady, unless you she's... decided to look inside the pipe. Could I have enough movement to climb up to the pipe and, and try and spot her? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Th- then, yeah, I'd like to to do that, see what was in the pipe. So, yeah, uh, standing up and poking your head into the pipe, you see that whatever
2: lasers Cecilia was talking about have been disengaged, and you see, with your dark vision, a little old lady who's, like, on her hands and knees, and she looks at you
4: and grimaces. Oh, you foul little goblin! You won't be around much longer! In in this turn of of actions, I'd like to revise my bonus action. Can I cast bonfire to try and ignite the sewer gas in this pipe?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to say that it's it's combustible, because it would have to be at toxic levels, and that would already be bad for the old lady. So we're going to say no.
4: We'll stick to true strike then. I'll I'll keep it... my hand pointed at her. It says, you point a finger at a target in range. Your magic grants you a brief insight into the target's defenses.
2: So you can tell that this target has magical capabilities and that they are
4: currently under an illusion spell. Currently under an illusion spell. Okay. It's
0: not an old lady!
4: <laughs> is there time in my turn for me to communicate that there is an illusion going on? or? Yeah, talking is a free action. So it's crying. <laughs> Uh, guys, uh, I gotta look at the old lady in here. She, she's using, she's under a spell. It's it, it's an illusion. Oh, you're a wise little goblin, are you? Not for much longer. Oh, I'm gonna get one-shotted. <laughs> if you had one shot
2: to hit an old lady, would you seize it or just let it slip? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now it is the Rutterkin's turn. The Rudderkin is going to run up and assail G3. So G3, while you are restrained, creatures have advantage on attacks against you. It extends its inhuman maw, and it just wraps, like, around your hip. I mean, you have considerable, like, bulk, and yet this creature is able to stretch its mouth out. You hear, like, a snapping and a stretching as it clomps down on a bite. It gets a 19 versus your armor class. That hits. It is going to do... 15 piercing damage
4: Jesus,
2: as it just, like, bites into your hip flexor and your joints, uh, crushing critical machinery. And you are immune to disease, so you don't need to roll a constitution.
0: Nice. So he cannot turn into a demon.
2: He's, He's probably the only one of you who can't. Oh, thank God. All right, Roynar, you are submerged in this magical darkness, you start to hear conflict erupting all around you, and you cannot see. What would you like to do?
3: Did Roynar see the two creatures to the southeast before the darkness was cast? No, sir. Has he heard anything out of those creatures?
2: Uh, I would say at this point you've heard something from that direction. You've heard the battle cries of these creatures. You're aware that they're in that general vicinity at the moment.
3: So he is going to move towards uh, the other tunnel and just start making his way blindly through the darkness in that jungle direction. All right, you
2: make it outside of the sphere of darkness within 10 feet of movement, so you'd still have 20 feet of movement left. You can now see light radiating off of Cecilia's weaponry, and with your uh, dark vision, you can see all of the creatures around you, if this changes any of your trajectory.
3: Okay, so I think seeing that, Roy would... Uh, brandish his weapon, and with his remaining movement, uh, engage that abyssal wretch. Uh, Roy got a 10 to his attack.
2: 10 is unfortunately not enough. So you go to swing at this blobby creature, and it just like, you know, just like Jell-O, it just kind of like slouches, it sloshes out of the way of your blade.
3: Uh, uh, frustrated, Roy will prepare for its attack.
2: Which is coming. Both G3 and Roynar are going to have two attacks coming their way. So G3, you are still under the effects of the Crippling Fear, and these attacks will have advantage on Okay, uh, each Abyssal Wretch got 22 and then 21 versus your armor class. Oh yeah, those both hit. Okay. You're going to okay. take a total of four slashing damage. Thank God. Two from each. You need to rage, dude.
3: You need to start having some of this damage.
1: Oh, I should have bonus action that. I thought I was, like, completely, like, stone paralyzed. No, and that's, you know, that's my bad. I did not define
2: what Restrained is. All good. Restrained is your speed becomes zero, you can't get any benefit to movement uh, to speed. Uh, Attack rolls against you have advantage, and then attack rolls against creatures have disadvantage for you. And you have disadvantage on dex throws.
1: Yeah, because we'll just say that G3, because he was so frightened, didn't even think to rage. He was just like, what is this feeling? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: As these creatures are like just attacking you, you get this glimpse in the back of your mind. Just again, this dream you had the other night of the sleep near pounding you into the sand and feeling like you can't move and you're just being attacked. What does that make
1: you feel, G3? G3, rather than feeling despair, feels like he can fight whatever this prophecy is and wants to do the opposite. So he's now has more resolve to fight back against these monsters. Alright. Roy Narrat is now the attacks against
2: you. That's a six and a five versus your armor class.
3: Uh neither of those hit. And I would like to take an opportunity when the one on the same level as Roy misses, mm-hmm. he would like to expend his reaction to uses repo stay maneuver and make an attack against it. Okay? Roy got a 21.
2: That's a clean hit.
3: So I roll regular damage and then I roll a d8 and add that from my superiority die. So that's a total of 10 damage. Nice. To the first And then I would like to use another of my maneuvers, and I think I can chain them because it says specifically that it's not an action to use this. It's called Sweeping Attack, and when you hit with a melee attack, you can expend one superiority die to deal damage to another creature within five feet of the original target within your reach. And it says just deal damage that you have to make the attack roll? You do not make an attack roll, but I just roll a D8, and that's the damage of the attack. Okay. And so that damage dealt to the second is four. Okay.
2: And that seems like a pretty pretty awesome strike. Do you want to describe how you bloody the creature on your level and just take a chip out of the other one?
3: As both creatures move to attack Roy, he dodges the one that is lower than him. And as the second moves, he fluidly dodges it as well. And then he brings his sword down and like sweepingly cuts into it with a solid slice. And then on the backswing, that sword moves across and hits the one lower than him. With a smaller slice.
2: Nice. And you spill this disgusting, thick, Icarus blood. So now it is Mrs. Butterfield's turn. She is going to take advantage of the fact that the little goblin has his head sticking up and into the pipe. She is going to roll and attack a Ray of Sickness at third level. All right, that is only a six against your armor class, Tums.
4: Tums' armor class is 14. Doesn't
2: connect. Alright, so you see her point a little finger towards you and out spirals these like swirling green beams of energy and they propel themselves towards your head. And at the last second, you just manage to like duck from underneath the pipe's level and it shoots out of the southern pipe and it goes straight across and into the northern pipe. And you hear,
4: Oh, rats! I'll get you next time! <laughs>
2: I love the Scooby Doo quality of our villain. After Miss Butterfield's turn, it is Cecilia's turn. So, Cecilia, you see Roynar being assailed by two of these abyssal wretches, and you see magic fly out of the southern pipe and across the room.
0: Do I hear the lady? Oh,
2: yeah. Everybody hears the lady.
0: So, recognizing that that's a really big target and Roynar seems very capable of handling those two guys, I want to adjust myself so that I can. Basically, shoot an arrow down that pipe. Can I get, like, on top of this pipe? Yeah. Which would be outside of that zone.
2: Yeah, you... Let's do an uh, acrobatics check, because you have to fumble through the darkness to then get on the pipe. Okay.
0: I got a 13 acrobatics.
2: And that is enough. You manage to run through the darkness, putting your hands forward. You feel the pipe. You climb onto it. And you can see the little old lady, the silhouette of the old lady... Through the tube.
0: Okay, I'm going to draw my arrow and swipe it across the blood that's already been exposed, which I took three damage from, by the way, to imbue it. Right. And so the tip of it starts glowing with the radiant damage. I pull it back and I shoot right at the old lady, who is actually just an illusion of an old lady. And then I'm going to do another luck point to shoot again. Okay. Okay. So, the first one I got a 7, but then I used my luck and I got an 18 to hit.
2: 18 will hit.
0: Um. So, I got 3 damage plus my radiant damage plus 2. So, I got 5 damage total. And it's radiant. I don't know if that.
2: I would is let you know if susceptible it susceptible to. No, but she is susceptible to arrows. <laughs> you shoot down the tube and you hear her cry out,
4: Oh, damn you! You foul lizard folk and your magics! You'll all pay!
0: Get them! Get them! Can I, like, try and taunt her to, like, come out so that... You're gonna let your demons do all the work for you? Like, you can't come out
2: here and be a big old lady? No! I mean, shit, look at me! Fuck no, I'm not coming out there! <laughs> Might be old, I'm not stupid! Now it is Art's turn, and Art kind of, like, gives you a gentle pounding on the back, G3. Come on, big guy. You can do this. Before he busts out a couple more concussive arrows and shoots at the Rutterkin on your right and the Abyssal Wretch on your left.
1: Oh! <gasps> oh god, am I just going to get shot in the back of the head repeatedly?
2: G3, go ahead and roll uh, odds or evens.
1: Oh, how's the phrase go? The odds are in your favor. If you say it's evens, then it's always odds. So you go even. Evens. Even. Okay.
2: It is four. Okay, so I'm gonna say instead of damaging you with this first critical fail, it's a malfunctioning arrow, Ooh. and before he can shoot it off, it bursts on himself. He deals eleven damage to himself. Oh. Then he goes to reach for another concussive arrow, but he's so addled that he accidentally drops his quiver and it falls into the effluent uh, at his feet. Uh Shit! Shit!
0: Yes, Yes. seriously.
2: (laughs) All right. G3, it is now your turn.
1: G3, thinking back to this dream he had and getting stomped in the sands, doesn't want that to become reality. So he's going to... Rage. You see his joints start to light up. His eyes change colors. He's going to look over to this demon that bit his leg, and he's just going to bring his axe down on it. All right. You will get disadvantage for being restrained. Okay. Uh, G3 rolled a 16 to hit. Both times. Nice. Well done. That is more than enough to connect. 16 slashing damage. So despite
2: having the odds stacked against you... You are able to fell this
1: rudderkin. You want to describe what that looks like? Oh, yeah. G3, in his rage, not even two-handing his massive axe, diagonally slashes from right shoulder to left shoulder, two-piecing this guy. Oh, yeah.
2: And he just crumbles into gelatinous bits and starts flowing down the string.
0: So, I would like to use my Reaction, and that's when a creature drops to zero hit points, I can give it a Reaction to use a final act of aggression, and the creature immediately makes a single weapon attack against a target of your choice within its attack range. Ooh! Is the old lady within its attack range? Definitely
2: not. Okay. The old lady is well away and hidden in the pipe. All right, so
0: he's just going to attack the guy who is right behind him.
1: Nice. I wish you could have hit her with, like, giblets. She just gets sprayed. (laughs) This
2: reanimated Rudderkin, thanks to your... What is it, your...
0: It's called the Blood Curse of the Fallen Puppet.
2: Nice. Using that Blood Curse, it deals 11 damage. Ooh. Ooh. Fuck. Oh nice. yes. Yeah. So
0: does he kill that guy?
2: No. Okay. But he bloodies
0: him. <laughs> okay, I was gonna be like, if he kills that guy, then I wanna make that guy tie the <laughs> other guy.
3: <laughs> um, A chain reaction.
0: The Rudderkin gets split in half by G3, and then Cecilia like utters this thing under her mm-hmm. breath. <laughs> and you see his two halves like like suck together and then like basically like fall down on the creature. Take a giant bite out of him and then, like, re-split in half. And just, like, his arm gets ripped off from his body, the creature that was attacked. And, like, it all just, like, starts to float down the sewer.
2: Nice. Metal is shit. Right? All right, Tums, it is your turn. In the dodging, was my concentration broken? No, your concentration only gets broken if you cast another concentration spell or if you take damage.
4: I'm going to attack... Nana Kersey with my my short bow, with advantage.
2: Okay. Go ahead and roll.
4: Okay, so with advantage, uh, 15.
2: All right, your arrow goes sailing down towards uh, Nana Kersey, as you've called her, or Miss Butterfield. Before it connects, she goes, (laughs) And a magic film comes up in front of her. She casts Shield, giving her an extra 5 to her AC, which 15 would not beat. Your arrow goes sailing down the tube and splits.
4: Okay. This really miffs Tums. Man, that's cheating. I don't like this. Uh, bonfire. <laughs> and so I'll go ahead and cast Bonfire. Okay. As my bonus action. And she'll need to make a dexterity saving throw? That's correct.
2: All right. She gets a 21 to her dexterity
1: saving Whoa.
2: throw. Whoa. She is also OP. She's a dexterous grandma i would say she like just scoots back away from the flame and she calls out from the other side of the flames. she says next time you cast a spell you shouldn't say it out loud so
4: long now tom's is starting to not like old people too like it's, it's <laughs> <just> getting <laughs> mad about it it's infectious at this
2: point uh so tom's that'd be the end of your turn the rudderkin is dead which means we will now go To Roinar Karagar. Roinar, what would you like to do? So,
3: Roinar, in the thick of the battle, is just going to try to end things pretty quickly. So I'm just going to go ahead and use my action action surge and make two attacks, one against each monster. Okay. So the first attack is a 19, and that's uh, to the one on the same level as him. Okay. And the second attack is a critical fail. And that's to
2: the one lower than him. Let's go ahead and sort out the first attack. So you got a 19, and a 19 connects. So go ahead and roll damage.
3: Uh, That's going to be one-handed. And um, I think while he's doing it, he's just going to use the sweeping attack maneuver again. So he's going to hit this one. So to the first one, he does 12 slashing damage. All right, you want to
2: describe how you kill him?
3: As Roy brings his sword down for another swipe... At the creature on his level, he aims for the same spot that he attacked the first time and his sword makes direct connection and then just slices all the way through and halves the creature. And then on the backswing, he does four additional damage to the lower creature while also getting a critical fail to his full attack.
2: So I'm going to say with this critical fail, Roinar, with that backswing, you try to maneuver again and swing, but you are already off balance. You teeter over the edge of the walkway, and you plunge prone into the sewer water at the feet of the vessel Wretch and vomit. uh. Now it's time for the Abyssal Wretches to go. Since you killed the Rudderkin G3, you are no longer under the fear, Nice. so these creatures are just going to attack you without advantage. So the first attack is a natural 20, and the second is a 16. Both hit. Yikes. Thank god you're raging. Right. Thank god. you were gonna take 14 slashing damage total, but you can half that for your rage. Once you split their leader into two pieces, they just take advantage of your head being turned and one just like jumps right for like your head and goes for the neck area uh, and just bites into that pretty deeply, severing some cords. And the other one, taking advantage of you being assaulted, manages to get another bite in on your arm. Roynar, since you are prone, it is going to get advantage on you. It's a 19 versus your armor class.
3: Uh, A 19 hits. So while you are
2: floundering in the effluent, this creature reaches down with its palm mouth, and it just bites you right under the arm for three damage. And now it is time for Mrs. Butterfield.
4: This is how a real
2: caster casts. And she points a finger, uh, knowing that that could be very loaded. She gets a 15 to hit. Okay, Uh, I guess that hits. She's going to hit you with a second level Ray of Sickness. And you are going to take 17 poison damage.
3: Crikey.
4: What the fuck?
2: Through the flames, you just see this like winding, wriggling uh, rays of green that go and slam into you. And then she is going to gracefully dismount from the pipe. And you hear this like grinding noise. It sounds like metal sliding, and it's like a giant combination lock. And with her bonus action, she re-engages the lasers on the pipe.
4: Okay. So long,
2: suckers!
4: Uh, I'm gonna guess that the ray of sickness just made Tum's, like, violently ill? Like, that's what it does?
2: Yeah, it's 17 poison damage, so yeah. Feels pretty nasty. Uh,
4: Okay, so just, like, instant retching. (laughs) Like, immediately.
3: Maybe there's some blood in there. I I puked so hard
4: that uh, Tums is only at 2 HP. So. Fuck. That's where he's at. Yeah.
3: Damn, you only have 19 health
2: points. With the battle with the tabaxi, you guys did not take a rest after that. So you went kind of straight from battle
3: to battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot yet. I didn't. I was so useless that battle. <laughs> it happens. So,
2: Cecilia, it is now your turn.
0: Okay, can I see the old lady? The
2: old lady is now out of sight. Okay.
0: Um, I'm just going to shoot an arrow at the, the guy next to Roy since both G3 and the tabaxi are aware that the other two are there. So, I just. Roy is my partner, I'm protecting my partner.
3: From the effluent, you get a thumbs up from Roy.
2: You just see poor Tums just vomiting into the sewer. Yikes. (laughs) Right.
0: I got an 18 hit.
2: That hits. Go ahead and roll damage.
0: I got a six piercing damage plus a d4 for the radiant. Okay. So seven damage total.
2: All right. The creature is still alive, but it is severely wounded. Would you like to describe how you do that?
0: Celia's going to reach back in her quiver, grab another arrow, wipe on her blood so it starts to shimmer, pull back, and lets loose, and it hits the demon right in the arm, and it, like, goes through his body and pins his arm
2: to his, body. To his
0: side, yes.
2: Nice. And so what happens? He gets pinned and goes, Aah! ah! Now it is time for Art's turn. <sighs> Art comes up behind you, G3, for God's sakes, and he draws a billy club off from his hip, and he just starts wailing on the Abyssal Wretch that is to your left. He gets 19 for both attacks, dealing 7 with one and 6 with the other for grand total of 13 damage. Nice. So he just runs up and with his billy club, he just starts mashing this creature, like just breaking whatever soft bones are in it. And there's this kind of squelching crunch as he just like beats it, turning this gelatinous creature into more jelly. Uh,
1: but it is still holding on. G3, it is now your call. Uh G3 will turn over to Art and say, that was significantly more effective. Takes his battle axe and slices it down on the same monster that was getting pummeled. And he rolls a 21 to hit. Oh, that's a hit. Oh yeah, and it's a solid 14 slashing damage.
2: At this point that's overkill.
1: Yeah, just jelly, jelly everywhere. It's like a stripper popping out of a cake, but instead it's like just Oof. bones popping out of goo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then Cecilia's uh... <laughs> gonna use her curse. And the guy, the goop, reforms itself for a second and just shanks the other demon right next to him.
2: The Abyssal Wretch gets a 12, which is just enough to hit the other one. Perfect. And rolls six damage, which is the magic number. Yes. So as the bones of this stripper demon (laughs) come flying out of the goop... It then rematerializes and then shanks the other one through the eye, twisting, wrenching it, and just like blood spills out from this thing's face. Just already like blackened and coagulated blood as it just like screams out in agony. And then they both just like turn into goop and start sliding into the sewer water.
4: <laughs>
2: Tums, it is now your turn.
4: Oh god, I don't feel good. <laughs> uh, and. Tums is going to he's going to try who who can he see.
0: Yeah, the only one living is one in battle against Roy.
4: Okay. I will loose an arrow at at the the one that is remaining. So, 11 11 just misses. Tums is going to use his his bonus action to slither back under the pipe and try and conceal himself. He's going to crouch down and 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 nurse himself a little bit. All right, go ahead and roll a hide. Oh shit! Still, uh,
3: critical <laughs> it just, fail. You just vomit all over yourself again.
2: Like <laughs> yeah, you like turn around, stumble, vomit, hit your head on the pipe, and fall on the ground. <laughs> Roy, you are submerged in this shit stream, and you're pretty sure you feel goopy bits start to flow past
3: you and surround you. Uh, I would like to use half my movement to stand up, and then, like, as Roy's standing up, I think he would, like, thrust with the sword. Do I get any kind of advantage because of how injured it is? No. (laughs) Unfortunately. If you whiff it, you whiff it. Yeah, I whiffed it. Uh, Roy got a 9. Yeah, I don't think there's anything I can do
2: about it. That is a whiff. You try to come out of the water swinging, but it just the the water kind of like catches your sword misses the trajectory and it is just an ineffective attack. Uh, A general miss. Yeah, so it goes. And this Abyssal Wretch is going to try to
3: attack you. It gets a critical fail,
2: so I think it opens up for a repost A.
3: Uh, And I mean, that's exactly what I'm going to do with my last superiority die. I will go attack it. Well, I got a 13. That is enough to hit. Sick. Uh, And that was one-handed. So that's a total of eight damage. That is enough to fell this creature. And so as Roy misses, and then the creature moves into attack, Roy's able to steady himself and just sort of run it through with his sword. Yeah, and it just,
2: like, your blade squelches as it goes through, and this creature's like... "Mm -hmm." And it just kind of, like, melts down, sliding off of your blade and into the water, flowing away. Looking around at this darkened battlefield, Art says, Well, I guess, uh, I guess she heard us coming, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah. That's the damnedest thing. I thought we were trying to be pretty stealthy, but... <laughs> <laughs> and, Tums,
2: you get this nagging feeling. That voice in the back of your head seems
4: to want to pull you down the western hallway. The western hallway. Okay. I'm I'm kind of doing like the the potty waddle at this point, you know? Like you <laughs> got to go really bad. He's like shuffling,
1: <laughs> cheeks. Come yeah. on, butt cheeks hold together. <laughs> yeah.
4: Like trying trying to keep as much of the fluids inside of my body as I can so that I don't, you know, die like a like a sponge that got squeezed too much. Um, And I'm going to shuffle over to the Western Hall. Can I see anything in the Western Hall? Tums, with your dark vision, you start
2: walking. You see that there is a gate with a lock on it. And looking past it, you see a familiar sight. It's a combined storage room that the angry gut shared with a magic curio shop next door. The curio shop went out of business, but The owner and your father seemed to lose the keys to it. The owner said, Nah, there's not that much important stuff down there. And so he left it. Your father was probably happy to let that one slide as well, because the health inspector wouldn't be too happy that he's keeping a storage room of food goods (laughs) in the sewer. But you see now, there in front of you, there's the storage room. It's just past this locked gate
4: Uh, guys i i i know where we're at in the store this is
3: this is we're close to the angry gut so roy's gonna pick himself out of the water and go grab the bag that what's his name tossed down there and then he wants to move to inspect the the tunnel the woman disappeared down okay uh i'd like to like just kind of roll something to get an idea about like the lasers and like what's going on with that okay so what would that be like arcana probably arcana roy got a 22 to arcana god
2: damn all right oh he knows he knows roynar this is obviously a magic trap it seems like this is a passageway trap so you know obviously it's trying to restrict access to the area beyond so the lasers are probably a powerful magic that will fuck you up if you try to go through them. So probably better not to. But you do know that there, the sliding mechanism that is on the outside of the pipe with its arrow is like a combination lock. It's supposed to point to certain runes in the Celestial Tongue. And if you get the right words and the right combination, you will be able to enter that rune.
3: Okay, I'd like to do two things, and you can break this up so that other people can go. But I I would like to take one of my unnotable rocks and, like, flick it into the lasers. Like, far down the tunnel, away from me, if I can. Aim for one. Just to see what happens. I would also like to do an investigation on the rim to see if there's any residue from it being moved. Or, like, any indication of where it might have been pointing to previously. So let's start
2: with the rock. You chuck the rock down, and it slides right into a laser, and just... And the rock is vaporized. His eyebrows go up at how quickly that happened, and how completely the rock is gone. And you go to inspect if there's a pattern you can recognize. And we'll do that roll later. What does the rest of the party want to do?
0: Well, I low-key want to go make sure that Aunt May is okay... Um, because the old lady did disappear and I know what they want is that demon book. So I think I'm going to be like, I'm going to go run on, check on Aunt May, but I'll be back.
2: So Cecilia departs the sewers.
4: Uh, so I guess Tom's, I, I've announced that that area is over there. I just wanted to ask about the, where are the celestial runes located? Are they on the other opposite side or? So if you imagine
2: where the pipe with the locking mechanism connects to the wall. They are along the
4: wall on the like, on the circumference
2: of the pipe.
4: Okay, so are they accessible to us? Yes. Okay, uh, I'd really like to pull on this other thread, but I want to help solve this. So I'm I'm gonna go look over where where Roy is puzzling at the at the runes, and um, I'm gonna put my hands and use my last spell slot to use comprehend language on the runes. You see this, like, jumble
2: of celestial words start to move around and shape themselves into a script that you can understand, Toms. You see that there are nine words.
4: So I'll announce that to everybody. Uh, yeah, these, uh, these runes, they say something. They say goddess, temple, altar, unholy, upstream, buried, resting, dwelling, and devil. This is, uh, it's like a puzzle of some sort. Can I roll my investigation now? Yes. I will say you have to roll considerably high. Yeah.
3: Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Bro, I got a five. Okay.
2: (laughs) You can see with this investigation that it has been used, and it's been used recently. Not only that, but it's been cleaned. It's as if someone knew that you were going to try to make that assessment, and they cleaned it off. There's no way to discern how it's supposed to click based on the grime.
3: What's it pointing at currently? Uh, it's currently
4: pointing at resting. I, I, I don't know, Roy. I, I think maybe you should come take a look at, at this. We're, we're, we're in the basement next to to the angry gut. Maybe, maybe there's some more tunnels. We could get to the other side. And at this point, Art speaks up. Yeah, um...
2: Maybe we could try to find Washtrot's office. Maybe he has something there. There's always an office or dwelling quarters for Wardens of the Waste. So, if we find it, maybe there's a clue. Mm,
3: Alright, uh, yeah. it does seem strange that this connection would be right next to the angry gut. You said it's just over to the west?
4: Yeah, this hall over here, I I recognize it. We used to keep Grog down here. G3, I... I know we're not on a good footing, but I, I gave it my best in this battle, and I, I, I wouldn't do anything to hurt you guys. Could you give me a hand? I'm so tired. No
1: problem.
3: A little bit of vomit trickles out the corner of your mouth. It's
4: blood. <laughs> he sharts.
3: <laughs> yeah, just just a big wet one.
1: Oh, jeez. You're like,
3: oh, that wasn't safe. <laughs>
2: okay, so now we're going to go to Cecilia. So, Cecilia, you descend the ladder you run around the outside of the Brasley's Point Museum. You can see now that it is the light of early dawn. Okay. The sun is starting to rise. It's about 6 a.m. at this point. And you run around to the front of the Brasley's Point Museum, and you knock on the door. And you see Aunt May hurriedly come to the door and unlock it.
0: I'm, I'm just going to be like, Aunt May, I'm calling for help. Don't let anyone come in or out and have... Um, just make sure you're protected. I'm going to go to the pigeon booth. And then, like, lock yourself back in.
2: Okay, I can do that. Did you get him? No. Is everyone alright? Yes. Okay.
0: Love you, bye. And then I run to the pigeon booth and I call, like, the law and be like, there are demons, there are demons here who are after the book at the museum and a stone and it's all bad news and you need to fucking get people down here as soon as possible and, like, relocate these two important items as soon as possible.
3: Wait, who is this?
0: Does it matter? This is a serious concern. I am working with Roynar Karagark. All right. You need to get people down here, and you need to preserve these two items. And look after my Aunt May. She is the one who's in charge of the museum.
2: All right. We'll try to get more forces down there.
0: Like, right now. Like, this is very, very important. I don't care what bureaucratic bullshit you need to go through. This is really, really important. People are losing their lives. We just had a battle with the fucking evil demons. And they are going to kill people if you do not get people down here as soon as possible.
2: Have you considered calling the Krugen? They have less oh, jurisdiction.
0: Oh, yeah! Okay, bye! And I call my dad. I'm like, Daddy! <laughs> Demons! Demons, Daddy! You need to come help us! We're at the Brasley's Point Museum, Aunt May is in trouble, and I'm going back down to the sewers and trying to solve it.
3: I imagine you're gripping this poor pigeon phone really hard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And its eyes are, like, kind of starting to bug. (laughs) Losing some feathers. Yeah, your father.
2: Cecilia, Okay. I'll get your uncles down here and we'll go check things out. Have you killed one?
0: Oh, yeah, daddy. It was epic. I'll have to tell you about it later. I have to go. Okay. Bye, love you. And (laughs) then I run down (laughs) to the... (laughs) I run down back to the sewer, like, as quickly as possible. And
2: you get just down the ladder just to hear Tom Sharp. (laughs) 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 You guys continue down to the west? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You continue down along one of the walkways, the northern walkway of the sewer, and you continue down to where this storage area is. You see that there's a gate and a lock. Both appear to be sturdy. You also see that there are some scratch marks around the lock. Someone tried to open it up. There are some boxes and barrels of provisions that were, like, dragged up to the gate You could maybe guess that uh, the Abyssal Wretches were trying to take food over and through the gate, but they can't fit the boxes through.
0: Do they eat? Like, Do they need that for themselves?
2: With your demon-hunting knowledge, no, they don't need that food for themselves.
0: They were trying to help the old lady. Who's not an old lady. Not old lady lady. All right, can we break through?
2: You can make a strength roll or Tums can do a lockpicking roll. Comes. Yeah, I'd like to do it.
4: I'll start with a lock pick roll. I got this, guys. Slide a hand of 15. You try
2: your best to unlock this gate, but uh, this is a very tricky
1: lock. Maybe the previous tampering damaged the lock.
0: All right, G3, you're up. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down.
1: So G3 takes Huzur's great axe and he puts the point of the top of it in this lock and is just going to try and muscle it open. Uh, he rolls a 21 for strength. Oh,
2: yeah. Somewhat effortlessly, you, like, stick your axe in, and then you, like, twist and pull, and you just take the whole door off of the hinge, and it's, like, still stuck on the point of your axe.
1: <laughs> Tums, if you'd like to go first.
4: Uh, yeah, I guess I lead the way. All right. <laughs> Shuffling along. Okay. Oh, and
2: And you, you waddle down the way and into this open space. You can see the stairs that would take you up to the Angry Gut and the closed curio shop. You do see some of the barrels of old provisions and barrels of grog, and you also notice a few chests from the curio shop.
3: to, I want to I wanna
2: inspect those. Yeah. You bust those open, and inside you find... <laughs>
3: I'm glad that you took inspect as rip that shit open. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I really, that was my end goal. I was just trying to be sneaky about it.
2: Yeah, no, no need being sneaky here. And as you pop open these boxes, you find a myriad of items, about five items, a shield, a sword, a set of armor, a ring, and a cloak, along with four potions three of them look like they're kind of this thicker viscous red liquid and the other one is in kind of like an erlenmeyer flask tapered triangular sort of and it is a more liquidy red liquid with flecks of gold floating around inside and upon revealing this treasure we are going to call that session for today nice Hey folks, hope you enjoyed the episode. We caught a glimpse of our big bad, the nefarious nanny, and witnessed the glory of our party's first encounter with the Rutterkin. Now our adventurers have stumbled across some magic items. What goodies are in store for them? Find out in the next installment of Tavern Squad. As promised, we are going to begin reading out the letters and reviews that you have so graciously sent our way. With no further ado... We present to you our new segment, Tom's Mailbag. Hey, Tom, do you got that mail? Hey, Tom, do you got that mail? Hey, Tom's in the bag that you got on your lap from the fans. Can you read that mail? Can you read it for me? Tom's Mailbag! Can you read it for me? Tom's Mailbag!
4: Can you read it for me? Oh, all right, it's it's time for Tom's Mailbag. Uh, so uh, I'm reaching into my satchel here, and what do I find but uh, just one little letter? I'm just going to go ahead and pop that open for you. Uh, so this is from uh, Judge Groovy Man from the faraway land of Reddit. Uh, it says, I'm so way into this season, and I'm r- really looking forward to the next episode, colon, and parentheses. Oh. And if I cast, uh, detect language here, and I touch my hand to that little colon, parentheses, uh, I understand now that that means a smiley face. Uh, so, this is a kind message from somebody. Oh, I just, I just love seeing these kinds of things, you know, While while I'm out here, um... It it warms my heart, you know I don't know that I'll be back to the post office And I'm worried that I'll run out of mail So if you folks could send something in to me Well, I, I'd really appreciate that Because it keeps me occupied It keeps these idle hands busy And you know what these devilish idle hands do When I can't stay busy Well, they get stealing shit And it might be your house that I break into Your stuff that I'm stealing If you don't start sending me more letters to open up So, drop it wherever you find us Uh, on our reddit on a Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you know where to find us. It'll end up here in my satchel. I look forward to hearing from you. Take
2: care. so you got that mail? Hey, so you got that mail? Hey, Toms, in the bag that you got on your lap from the fans, can you read that mail? Can you read it for me? Toms Mailbag! Can you read it for me? Toms Mailbag! Thanks for reading to me. Want to tell us how you like the show? Or how you wished we never resorted to poop humor? Well, we here at The Tavern want to hear from you. Write a review, send us an email, or message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit. Be the next one to have your letter read on Tum's mailbag. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Better yet, take a moment to share with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit for more fun stuff and updates. Links are in the episode notes. We have recently partnered with our friend Tommy Atella, a budding Twitch streamer who plays games like Rocket League and Halo Infinite. Find him on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ChexMix95. Links to his channel are in the episode notes. Our intro song is Briefcase Number One, performed by Tartanic. Our intro speech is written and performed by Lou Fox. Other artists that provided music and sound effects are the RPG music maker, Travis Savoye, and Carl Casey from White Bat Audio. You can find links to their content and other contributors' content in the show notes. With that, the last call has been made. The tavern is closing. You don't have to learn cardinal directions in order to understand what we're talking about in combat, but you'll have an easier time if you do. Toodaloo.
1: I'm proud that we made it six episodes before someone shit themselves. <laughs> I think that's good. I think that's showing a level of maturity that I didn't know we had. <laughs> <laughs> the restraint is just amazing
4: if if he wasn't being held by g three it like they'd be it would be sloshing in his boots. oh possible wow. <laughs> like that's how oh God <laughs> that's how bad oh God. <laughs> <it is. laughs>
2: okay. We're, we're not gonna end the episode on that, so. <laughs>